Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC founder and father. Join us for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.jeremyao.com. Hey, Florian, really excited to have you on the show. You are a global nomad who is building the future of hybrid work. And disclosure, also have angel invested in your company in Midstay. So excited to have you on the show to share, I think, your journey and what you've learned from around the world and for you to introduce yourself right now. So yeah, my name is Florian Jackus. I'm coming from Belgium, initially a UX UI designer and very initially a football player that turned into a the art field, and then found a passion, creating my career around building my own company in Belgium, making sure that uh, I was building a profession, a career where I was able to travel and work at the same time, which I always found it very important to actually connect with cultures and being inspired, which is one of the main things you actually looking after being a designer. So yeah, like uh, being Studying art in Brussels, dropped out after the third years of university, been uh, having some opportunities to work in New York, then in San Francisco, then in Australia. For the last five years before COVID, I was traveling in all these countries, doing some mission for helping startups. And every year I was coming back in Belgium to organize this music festival that we brought up to 20,000 festival goers. That's a bit about myself, learning by doing. I would say that's uh, pretty much about myself. So could you share about how you first started becoming entrepreneurial? Was it with your music festival in Belgium? Yeah, actually at the very, very beginning, that was more because I was injured as a football player. And during that time, I took a year to think about what will bring me happiness and joy on a daily basis. And I think at this time, I also got like very attracted by all the game world. And by the fact of doing this, I actually lost a year and I dropped a year at school. My parents told me to not play anymore any game video because it was actually not good for my study. And I ended up keeping the connection with the people I was playing with as a game player, but I was creating some banners on YouTube. So that led me to this graphic career that I got interested about just afterwards. That's a bit where I started because basically I started to sell some of these artwork for other team that were actually playing. At this time, we were playing Call of Duty. So it's a pretty famous game. And yeah, like just to keep connected with the team I created around this game of Call of Duty, I kept the connection by creating the artwork for other teams. And I already started to monetize these artwork. Afterwards, I've been also for sure very close to my parents that are both entrepreneurs. My father is into accounting and financials. My mother is more into art. She's an inter-architect. I was born into this entrepreneurial mindset, I would say, and all the time trying to find ideas to bring it to the world. I've been helping my father building this music festival. That was 13 years ago, the first time he started, and then we did it for 10 years. The last edition was in 2019, just before COVID. And that last edition, I took over the role of director with my brother that actually joined me. My father took a step back because he didn't want to push it as far as we wanted. 
And we brought that music festival from 2018, having 5,000 festival goers, to four times more in 2019, having 20,000 festival goers. So pretty interesting learning curve at this time. I had only 23 years old, managing over 50 managers during the whole year and 500 volunteers during the three days of music festivals and learning a lot of different aspects of the entrepreneurial journey and really learning by doing from marketing to artist lineup to a forecast to HR. That was interesting and that learned me a lot. Amazing. You shared that flexibility and being able to travel and work was something that was important to you from an early stage, right? So how did that interest, which is something that everybody has, right? Everybody wants to do a business travel and then tack on a few days of holiday. Everybody wants to call holiday at the end of the year. How does that transition to being kind of like a global nomad and for you to be able to have that lifestyle? So yeah, that's a pretty good question. I think that that all came up from the fact that I'm very passionate about connecting with people. To me, this is where I got inspired. So it was super important from the very first day that I was really designing my life around a career where I was able to move and to travel and to work at the same time. This inspired me to create what is now Midstay, but I also understood where were the frictions, the pain. And that's also why, like, as you said, a lot of people are willing to jump into that new lifestyle that know it's possible with the mainstream of the remote world since the pandemic. And I do believe that more and more are willing to do the jump, but they are having some fear about, could be loneliness, could be, how do I settle myself in a new place? How do I actually quit the thing I have in my current life? Or do I pause them to go into a new life for a few months? So this is like, we're trying to solve this issue where a lot of people into that domain, they are willing to do it, but they are struggling to find the ways of doing it. What was your personal experience struggling to change and adapt to the new culture? Yeah, fun fact, actually, we understood it even better once here in Bali, I met my co-founder, Magnus. And for the, the little story, we are both surfer. And every morning from 6 to 8 a.m., we're actually purchasing that lifestyle of like getting out and making sure that we are having our mind completely free before starting the work and surfing a few hours in the morning. So that day, that was a very flat day. We are together at this time. We didn't know each other, but you know, when you are at the peak and you're waiting for a wave, What's happening when there is no wave? You're speaking to the people around you. And I actually end up speaking with Magnus, who is now my co-founder. He was sharing with multiple destinations he did as a digital nomad. And I was myself curious to know what was his pain by moving and traveling and working at the same time. Because myself, I was not really a digital nomad working from Chile to Thailand to Mexico. I was more working from corporate offices and I was providing freelancing services to startups that were in San Francisco, New York, Australia. So having in between three months to six months mission, but still traveling and working and making myself out of that comfort zone that I created for a few months and going into that new hub to resettle myself and to recreate this routine. Very interestingly, like the pain were the same, even though like the destination were different. So making yourself out of different destination and moving from one place to the other, you will find all the time the same frictions, which are settling yourself again with some compliancy, knowing about your visa, your status, but as well the lifestyle you want to purchase. Because if you're moving from one place to the other, is to actually purchase a new lifestyle and improve and increase the work-life balance you're trying to reach. So this is one thing. This is about lifestyle venues. We're mapping and we're trying to bring to the people 
And then you have as well the social bubble. You need to grow yourself as well professionally or personally. And this is actually the most important. And that's actually what we see as an insight is that most of the people are feeling lonely after a few weeks or months. And this is where we are bringing the most value, I believe, with Midstep. So why do people feel lonely? I do believe that because most of the destinations that people are choosing, which are dreamy locations, we're speaking about Bali, where we're currently operating, but as well Mexico, South Africa, Portugal, all these places are interesting for people that would like to live there, but as well very interesting initially for tourists. So there's, there's still this target that is, that is coming and passing by. So most of the time what's happening is that nomads or remote workers, as we call it, will actually connect with people, but then they will lose the connection after a few days because they go back in their own country and they are not in their same rhythm. And so that's clearly where we are actually improving this journey is that we connect these people together that are on the same period of stay. And this is clearly where we are able to decrease the feeling of loneliness because they are not connecting with people that are living in a few days. They are actually matching with people that are staying on the same length of stay. What's interesting, of course, is that it doesn't feel like the world is going to go full digital nomad, right? Which was something that some people were saying two years ago in the middle of the pandemic was, let's all hang out in Bali. Because if I got to take a call from my dinky one studio apartment, I might as well do it from a new place and, you know, surf in the mornings in Bali, meet new people. And sure, a bit of loneliness, but everybody's lonely, right? Yet, I think the world feels like, you know, it's probably also not going to fully back to the office, right? It's a mixture of hybrid. I think most people are going to be spending one, two, three days and then a few more days somewhere else. So how does that work out from your perspective? Do you think it'll be more digital nomads how, or it'll be hybrid? Will people be taking long weekends? How does that future of work look like from a travel slash geography perspective? I do agree with you. A few years ago, I would say fully in the pandemic, we would have bet that everyone will, will jump into that nomad lifestyle. I do also agree that there is not many people that are willing to go back fully at the office. So there is a few different ideas that are coming out of these new behaviors that we are basically understanding these years after pandemic, which are mainly most of the companies will be embracing the hybrid way of working. But this is also bringing different frictions and pain for the companies to keep up with the employee engagement, to keep up with the company culture. And indeed, like, I do believe that younger generation like Gen Z and millennials will be willing to try longer trip because they are not stuck with a family or they are not stuck with a loan. And so they are more flexible. And at this time, we are able to solve them, to solve their pain and to bring them into a longer trip, I would say. But then you, indeed, you have this full team like with different layers of, of demographic in a company. So at this time, this is very interesting. This is a services we understood that is actually seeing quite a nice traction and we are solving a very good pain in the side of the company is that we're bringing the team together to make sure that they are keeping up with the employee engagement by making sure they are able to bring the team together into a team retreat, team of site, corporate retreat, whatever we call it. This is basically a mix in between, I would say, a vacation, but this is very professional focus. So this is where we are seeing quite a nice value as well as an additional services of Midstay to serve as well this target. When you discuss all of that, I totally agree that I think it's a new generation. If you're like 35 and with family like me, I think 
you're out of the game, I think, because of the kids and everything. But I think for the next generation, I think it's going to be the norm. So how does that work out? Do you think people are going to be spending like one, two, three weeks working remotely, then going back to the home office, and then they spend one, two months, and then they head out for now a few weeks? Is that you see the world going that way? What we are currently seeing with our data, and this is really not us assuming, it's really what we are seeing with the data we're gathering. We are seeing that actually people in between 25 to 35 are spending 69 days abroad by living abroad and by working at the same time abroad with our members. This is like very interesting indeed to see that for sure it's below 35. We are seeing that this new Gen Z is willing to have a better flexibility, is willing to have a better work-life balance, is willing to invest into their mental health compared to have a higher salary. These are things that are here and most probably people that are basically in my generation, if I have to reflect myself, is because I've seen my parents being burned out. And this is like really what happened to this generation coming up currently. They don't want to duplicate what they've seen from their parents and they are willing to change and to bring some different ways of working and they see that no, it's possible. So they are willing to embrace that. It feels like Nomad is a bit too hardcore, right? You know, it's like the difference between people who like to camp and people who like to glamp, right? You know, glamorous camping, right? The difference being you, know, you carry your backpack and all your food and water and the other one is someone sets the tent up and brings you the water and the food, right? So tell me more, a little bit more about how you think about how that's going to work out. I do believe that there is a, a big cliche around the digital nomad wording. Like, firstly, this is something that we are not really using anymore at Midstay. We like to call it remote workers. Giving you a very small example, my father of 55 years old been joining me in Bali for a few months. He's a financial director and is not at all reflecting as a digital nomad. He will not be called as a digital nomad. He's seeing himself as a remote worker working from abroad. So this is the very first thing is that I do believe that digital nomad was a term before COVID, but know that many people are able to do it. Digital nomad is a bit old fashioned, I would say, and this is not something most of the people are not reflecting as a digital nomad anymore. Also, digital nomad, as we call it, most of the people are thinking that they are working from the beautiful village with a coconut. And this is not really the case. We are seeing it all around us here. In Bali, this is like so many interesting and inspiring professionals doing business and leading teams around the world. This is not at all the freelancers we used to have in mind before COVID. So I would say that's the very first take to keep in mind when we speak about this target, which is to me evolving a lot since the pandemic. I appreciate you saying that that's a trend that we're seeing, right? Like in the past, it used to be freelancers who were like engineers, growth hackers, marketers who were just freelancing on various marketplaces. But now I think we're seeing managers who are leading teams and so on and so forth. So what are some myths or misconceptions about being able to do this successfully? Misconception is thinking again that this digital nomad term are people working from tropical beach under palm trees. This is not at all what's happening. Like very interestingly, if we take a step back, knowing about the history about this new lifestyle of people working and traveling at the same time. If we take the history uh, and the milestone that this lifestyle has been seeing, we are speaking in 2007, the very first pioneers, the one that were trying to find Wi-Fi in different dreamy locations and they were really struggling. Then they were the one that we all know that are the one marketers, freelancers that were the one before COVID and that appeared around 2014. And now there is this mainstream wave where millions of people are embracing or are trying at least this new lifestyle. This is where it's very interesting. Like I would never have 
conceptualized or thought about having some friends being digital nomads, but being a lawyer and doing court errands from here. And this is currently happening. Like it's not only business owners that are leading teams. It's also employees from many corporates that are no corporates allowing this new lifestyle. Why? Because they need to retain their talents. And most of the talents are willing to have that facility. Not speaking about a full year living like that, but at least having that kind of like jump out of their routine in their back to their own country, which is, I do believe, is linked a bit with the brave world because you want to get out of your comfort zone once you do that and you get inspired and you actually meet so many people that you can maybe get opportunities with. So I do believe that this is also a big and interesting way of getting out of your comfort zone and thriving in different ways you would not have because you're just stuck in your routine back home. You talk about how it's important for companies to retain talent. And I think it's interesting because there's a world where I totally agree that when you're looking for the best talent, you're just looking for them wherever they are, whether that's Jakarta or Malaysia, Philippines. So all of those are new places to handle. At least in the current bear market, it feels like the power is with employers again, which is that people have to show up in the office. They have to give FaceTime. Could work remotely, made from home in their country, but think it's another thing to be saying like, oh, I'm out in Thailand or Phuket or anywhere in the world that's too far away from the home office. So which companies do you believe are the ones that will adopt hybrid more and which type of companies would adopt it less? I think the easy answer would say the tech companies, the one that were born during the COVID that even did not never had any office in the past. This is the easy answer. I do believe that a lot of them will align to more forward-thinking companies that will implement that as a strategy. And to come back to what you were saying about, indeed, like this is recession. Some companies are now having the upper hand and employees need to come back at the office, even though it's very hard to bring back all the employees back to the office. So I do believe that there is actually another trend that we are currently seeing is that, indeed, you've been laying off a few of your employees, but do you know about the domino effect? Do you know about the fact that it's actually going to impact your internal engagement as well? So do you want to invest into this workforce you've been building and you try to retain because, indeed, you had to cut off some roles to maintain your growth and your financials, but you most probably need as well to maintain what makes the engine running. So this is very interesting to see as well, because even though, as you mentioned, we know that we are into that new bear market, but this is where there is actually an interesting side as well, is that it's a completely new, fun way of working. And we're speaking a lot with HRs that are telling us we need to find new and intangible ways to actually bring more engagement within our team. And this is where this is a switch from what we knew before. Before it was just stock options and big salaries. Now we're speaking about new intangible way. Why? Because there is inflation as well. Why? Because there is all this anxiety you got during the COVID and you actually need to find new ways of bringing happiness within a company. So I do believe that everything you said is right, but there is also some different aspects that we sometimes forgot to mention. And this is where there is interesting angles to tackle. I think one interesting thing, of course, is that there's a dynamic where all companies will have more flexibility. I agree. And then I think some companies will have more flexibility than others like tech companies. One thing we are both seeing, of course, and we discussed this, is that more companies are doing offsites, right? So they're traveling more. I think historically, offsites were very boring things that were at the corporate office. 
And then there'll be a nice dinner at a big restaurant in the home of. Now I think people are working from the office less. So I think people are looking for this like flagship off-sites and retreats, right? So they're in a new country, everybody flies out. What do you think about that trend? That trend is really interesting. And I, as you know, we've been finding some insights that actually companies are very interested in since a few months to actually plan that on in 2023. And again, to come back to the layoff, like they are seeing that they've been laying off a few people, but they need to keep that connections within the team. And they are losing it currently by allowing hybrid, by allowing remote. And this is beautiful for the flexibility of the employee. But at the end, for the unity of the company, you're losing something and you need to put in place some more initiatives to actually bring back this unity you had before once you were coming every day at the office, which we all know will not come back as before. So indeed, these new projects for companies are very interesting. And I do believe that there is a lot of things to explore still. We like to ask at the beginning, what's the goal of this offsite? And we really tailor-made any of site based on the company size, but as well on the goal of the business. Either it's a social goal or either it's a business-related goal. We are seeing leadership summit. We are seeing annual planning. We are seeing a strategy, a retreat. And this is all interesting because you can really combine the leisure and the quality of bringing the team together to actually see some brainstorm happening and to bring the company forward because after that, they are all recharged. And that's something we've seen a lot. Yeah, I think the answer is both, like you said, right? Which is that you can fire your low performers and you're trying to incentivize and make it a good experience for your higher performers that are still around. That being said, what do you think, from your perspective, makes a good offsite versus a terrible uh, retreat? I would say that... Bad retreats are the ones that where all like attendees or any attendees are actually sync with what's the goal of the retreat. I do think that's the very first thing. We like to start with a survey to also bring some democratic vote and knowing what everyone is actually willing to have and what will bring them happiness and joy within this retreat, what will make that retreat a success for them. So in that way, it's not just a single mind organizing it. It's actually something that you feel as a collaborative project. To me, what makes a successful retreat? Otherwise, what's happening if you don't do that, and that's what brings a bad retreat, is that this is all friction, all unorganized, and everyone needs to be educated on what's going to be this retreat. And this is taking much more time, and then at the end, you don't have the outcome of what you are actually willing to see afterwards of this retreat, which we know what it is as a company is not only bringing the people together, is recharging these people to make sure they are performing even better afterwards, and they are actually feeling part of something greater than what they were thinking before. So meaning that they are actually giving as much as they can to bring that company to the next milestone. 100% agree. I think a great one is hard to achieve and a bad one can easily happen if you don't have the logistics and you know, everything all done well. On that note, when you think about all these travel and trends, what do you think is something that you think will happen that people don't really agree with you about? What's one thing you believe about the world regarding this future of work that you think makes sense from your perspective? but other people might think is a little crazy. I do believe that more and more people will be traveling slowly and going into that life where you can work and travel. I do believe that currently there is a big obstacles, I would say, is that the fact that it's really friction. There is a lot of friction. It's really like 
all over the place and you don't feel comfortable by doing it because you feel and you fear that you won't be as productive as you are back home. So that's really where we are, this mission to bring that platform to make sure that every, you get everything in one place. Above that, I do believe that the Gen Z are going to disrupt the whole way of working. They will be part of mainly of the workforce in a few years, and they are going to disrupt the workspace for sure. They are already doing it, and they are raising their voice. And currently, that's where we're trying to solve. It's like basically serve this new generation to bring more flexibility. Either it's abroad, either it's at home, but they are willing to have a better flexibility of work and they are willing to connect with like-minded remote workers because they feel lonely. And so that's where we are bringing that value for them, where they can really connect and leverage their skills. Because we're seeing a lot of companies hiring remotely with some deal.com, remote.com, all these platforms that are allowing global hiring. But at the end, people are working from home. Either you need to bring back the team together as an offsite or you're allowing them to connect on a platform that allows them to keep growing professionally, even by not coming at the office every day. And so that's where we are willing to bring value and to disrupt a bit. It's like basically bringing that workspace and as a feel as a workspace, a sense of a workspace by connecting to the platform and that you can also connect with people around you because we are really speaking about real connection and not virtual one. We really strongly believe about that face-to-face -face connection, which is not which is necessary it is super necessary and you need to keep that happening aside of your virtual remote job i love what you said about slow nomad you know slow mad slow mad we have to make new words all the time right here hybrid nomad slow mad slow mad is getting quite a lot of attention lately why because there is this whole topic about the climate change and this is very important people want to not have as a biggest impact on the climate by traveling. And so we're seeing that target of remote workers adopting that slow mad lifestyle, which means that you are traveling very slow. You're just staying in a place a few months instead of staying a few days or a few weeks, which means that you're reducing your footprint and you're actually giving back to the local communities. And that is where it's very interesting, where basically you are able to bring your own knowledge as a Western or as another uh, target, but you are able to share this knowledge with different culture. And that is where I do believe, and myself, I got inspired during my whole career of traveling, I would say. This is where I grow myself the most. And I, this is where I feel inspired the most. So I do believe that staying in a place more than a few days or a few weeks is bringing much more value than people think. And this is where you do create meaningful connections, either with local or either with people that are doing the same lifestyle as you are chasing. And on that note, could you share with us about a time that you personally have been brave? So yeah, like I would say that's the time where I was dropping school, having this opportunity to go in New York. And this time there was just an internship. So I was not earning any salary. But I always believe that it's only by doing that you're learning. So I prefer to skip school at this time. And I do believe that I did the right choice. And I skip school and I invest into my education by doing and by learning next to these founders that were, by the way, out of YC. So I do believe that this is where I've been brave, even by knowing internally I was doing the right shows. People around me were telling me like, Flo, what are you doing? Like, you're not going to have your diploma. You're not going to get any certifications. 
But then at the end, who cares? Like as a UX UI designer, we never ask any certification to get hired. And deep internally, I knew that I was doing the right choice, even though my parents and my friends were telling me like, wow, Flo, like you're 20 years old and you're getting like out of your comfort zone, getting out of Belgium to go to New York and then getting another uh, gig in San Francisco. And then what? What if this stopped? What are you going to do? And hopefully this never stopped. And if it stopped, I was going to build my own thing, which I'm currently doing. And that was my end goal anyway, like being very close to these founders and making sure that I was, as a designer, as a digital designer, being able to translate their business ideas into visual experience and making sure that the engineering team were able to implement it properly. By doing this role for a few years, I've been learning much more than what I was going to learn at school. And I felt brave the, the very first weeks. After that, I knew that it was the right choice. So happy to have, uh, to have did this pass. What's interesting, of course, is that you said something, which is that you move to a city to be close to founders. I think the view, of course, is that if you're being a slow man or hybrid or nomad, the thing is you're at your computer somewhere, right? And you're probably not in the hub. You know, you're not close to the founders. You're not close to whoever that is that target group of people. You said you were watching them and helping them and learning by being close to them. So how do you figure out that tension? I actually just heard from two different folks. You know, one was a lawyer and one was venture capitalist, right? And they felt like people, the next generation, Generation Z, wasn't learning because they weren't close to their bosses. They weren't close to their peers who were ahead of them. So they didn't feel like they were that proximity felt like it was something that was missing and therefore slowing their learning. So how do you reconcile that point of view? I completely agree. This is very contradictory. Like myself, I would not see myself doing it again in San Francisco as I did it before. After COVID, I think I would not have done it. But I'm very happy I did it before COVID. The thing is that I do understand and I do agree with you the fact that Gen Z are losing and are missing their mentor. Clearly. What I think as well is that there is no a lot of tools that are allowing you to do remotely, but it's not the same. I agree as well. The thing is that that's also what we're trying to solve. We know that there is this big pain. We can't call it loneliness, but it is also like basically growing professionally. This is like very important as early as we are, as young as we are. When we start our career, it's super important to have some people that inspired us to make to the next milestone. I had my people that inspired me back in San Francisco. I wonder how I would have done without that, really honest. What we're trying to do with Midstay, as we know that this is kind of like we're losing track of that, we're trying to connect these people together while they're moving. So as they are moving to different hubs, like remote hubs, speaking about different islands, there's still some people around you, but you don't have the tool to actually connect with them currently. And so this is currently what we're doing with the platform of remote workers we're building in place, this community where you can find another CTO or another executive that has been working in Amazon for like nine years and you see that he's actually two streets away that you can connect with them. So this is really something that we try to leverage because we do feel that there is this missing into like connecting with people that can bring you some interesting professional insights where you can actually learn from it. And again, I think that I've been driven all the time by, uh, you know, this quote by Confucius saying that you learning by doing and you actually need to find a job that you like to make sure that you're not going to work any time of your life because you don't feel you're working. 
But again, this is something that if you purchase that, you still need to have the very first element, which is like learning by the people around you that you surround yourself with. And so this is to me like the missing part. And that's where we're trying to solve it by having some tools that allows people to connect each other, not virtually, but face-to-face -face in real. When you think about rebuilding mentorship by founders, by community, by peers, what would you say are some of the challenges that people should be aware of to overcome? I think like the main blockers to leverage the skills and to connect with people that are able to mentor yourself and to make you grow professionally is the fact that people tend to connect with people that are speaking the same languages. You probably hear it. I have this French accent, so I'm very close to this French community. And this is in every community of nationalities, they're tending all the time to connect with people speaking the same language. This is completely understandable, right? You're feeling more comfortable, you're feeling more safe by being with people that are speaking the same languages. But I do believe this is the main blocker to actually leverage your opportunity to actually connect with people that can bring you better insights within your own domain, right? In your own fields. Because people that are speaking the same language are not especially in your same fields of expertise. So I do believe that there is this main blocker and that's also what we're trying to actually bypass by telling to the people, look, you can also feel comfortable by being with people that are in your same fields and not only with the people that are speaking the same language. This is actually where it feels more obvious because for sure you hear them and it's easier to connect. But look, now we're trying to connect you in another way and we're seeing that currently it's happening quite well where people are looking for other like-minded remote workers around their temporary home address where they can actually get a meetup, get a coffee, and not speaking about virtual coffee, real coffee this time, and brainstorming around topics that they are expert about. Awesome. Thank you so much, Florian. I'd love to summarize the three big themes before wrapping up. First of all, thank you so much for that point of view on hybrid versus nomad, right? Versus, I guess, slow mad which is, you know, the trends about how people are seeing the future of work and how they want to do things in life. And I think there's some interesting dynamics around the Gen Z dynamics as well. The second is I love what you shared about surfing Bali mornings and thinking about what you need to do because those are great opportunities, for example, for you to meet your own co-founder. But also I think is a great visual and mental image for how most people see uh, the future of work. And lastly, thank you so much for sharing about what are the biggest challenges for founders today, which is that, you know, you built your career by having great mentors and learning by emulating and watching other founders build and helping them with that. And I think the state of the current uh, remote work is that it's still lacking. And I think it's really interesting for you to acknowledge that, but also have made it the mission to rebuild this at a community level. Thank you so much for coming on The Brave Show. Thanks, Jeremy. It was a great talking with you. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave. Stay brave.